This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to Around the Dial, your one-stop shop for sports talk's best moments every day. Here's your host, CBS Sports Radio's Damon Amendolara. It's the very best of the sports talk around your dial. DA with you for Friday, January the 11th. And everybody's talking about the NFL playoff games coming up this weekend. And when you look at the Dallas Cowboys, you wonder, do they have the recipe to be able to knock off a very good Rams team on the road? Well, the Cowboys haven't had a lot of taste of the postseason. They're in it this year, but... That's because they won the division, something that's such a rare occurrence in terms of doing it regularly in the NFC East. One of the greatest offensive linemen ever, Anthony Munoz, joined G-Bag Nation on 105.3 The Fan in Dallas. And he laid out the reasons why, it's a crazy stat, but for 15 straight years, the NFC East division champion has not repeated. Your Bengals teams were great, but then didn't make the playoffs. What happens there? What sort of perspective or insights can you share with how difficult it is or why it's so difficult? Man, it is difficult. You know, my second year, in the, we went 6-10 and 10 my rookie year, then 12-4 and four home field advantage Super Bowl. Uh, so that was my second year, and I'm thinking, we have the same guys. We're going to do it. You know, we're going to run off uh, four or five in a row. And it wasn't until 10 years after that one. Uh, yeah, that we uh, maybe less than eight years after that that we finally got back. Uh, it, it is very tough. I mean, there's a combination of things. I mean, you have to stay focused. That's why when I see what the Patriots have done, it, I mean, it's just crazy, crazy impressive to me. I'm sure a lot of people talk about it, that they've been able to stay focused. They've been able to stay on task for as long as they have because I know how tough it is. I mean, you win, you Super Bowl participant, People are tugging at you. Guys are doing this. Guys are doing that. And it's almost like at times football becomes secondary. They're good enough to come back the next year and make the team and win a few games. But they allow the outside world to really tug on them and not allow them, at least from what I saw, not allow them to continue to do what they're paid to do, and that's to win games and get in the playoffs and go to the Super Bowl. So uh, there's a lot of factors that come into play, but uh, it is very, very tough. That's why when you see teams, like the Patriots or, you know, the 49ers in the 80s or the Cowboys in the 90s win multiple in the ter- – or, you know, the, the Steelers in the – you know, doing it with the same guys for four years and ten years. Amazing. There's no doubt, man. It is crazy the dominance the Patriots have had since Brady and Belichick have been together in 2001. There's been very rare instances that the Patriots have not won the division – a lot of that is because of their greatness. Some of that is because there's been such dysfunction around them in the division. Every year it seems that the Jets or the Bills or the Dolphins are changing their coaches. This year, two of the three will do exactly that. But nonetheless, the consistency by the Patriots has been astounding. The Eagles won that division last year. This year, they're the wild card, the last team into the NFC postseason. And they'll travel to New Orleans to take on the one seed, the Saints. 
So it's interesting. Do you go with the dominance and the home field advantage of New Orleans, or do you go with the Nick Foles magic and the momentum that the Philadelphia Eagles are on right now? Let's ask Howie Long from the NFL on Fox, who joined WIP in Philadelphia to make a pick. Uh, well, maybe not exactly. I don't think anyone's putting Nick in, in Drew Brees' class, but at some point... Oh, some people you know, are. At, at some <laughs> point, at, at some point, you've got to say, you know, once is, uh, you know, a coincidence, twice is, you know... Uh, somewhat of a pattern, but you know, at, at some point you got to say Nick Foles is pretty damn good. No, I he is. I think he is. Waking up to that. no, but people outside of Philadelphia. Oh yeah, I got you. Yeah, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. <clears throat> the conversation is when will Nick Foles turn back into the Nick Foles of St. Louis? I don't think that's happening. For whatever reason, Nick is—he just seems like a guy who's really at peace with who he is and where he is in the moment and not looking beyond it, not looking back. He's in the moment. And um, that team just really uh, seems to have play with great confidence with him in it. And, and I know, listen, we've all been embarrassed as players at one time or another. Uh, the one thing you, you, you want to get is redemption. And that's a big factor. The emotion of that is a big factor in this football game. I'll be really, really fascinated to see how this Eagles Eagles team plays down there. Yeah, I think we all are. Howie, we always appreciate it. Yes, I, sir. I, 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 are you giving us a lean on where you're going? Can you give us a lean where you're going on the game? I know you guys have the game well, on Sunday. You talking about Philadelphia, New Orleans? Yes. We, we, is, this, is this like that's a trick there, question? There's, there's, there's like DEFCON five of dumb questions. <laughs> that, that's DEFCON five. Why is that a dumb question? Well, because who do you think I'm picking? Well, I mean, there, there's Howie Long the dad. There's Howie Long the analyst. No, so Howie we, Long the dad is Howie Long's the dad. Okay. That's uh, that's kind of the way I look at things. I I you know I can't separate the two. I mean, and and I think the teams that are are playing against the team that my son's on understand that. Um, you know, blood is blood is uh, very important to us. All right. Well, it is to me too. But anyway, thanks, well, Howie. Listen, when you, how you you have kids? I have two young kids. Yes, I do. Yeah, you have a you have a son. I have two daughters, and if, if she would, if, if well, her, her dad's say, class, if you ask me, she, I'd say she wins. Let's say down the road she's on the U.S. soccer team, and she's over in, uh, you know, somewhere in Europe playing in the in the World Cup. I'll I'll call you as hopefully I'm still broadcasting at that time, and well, I'll call you and ask who who are you picking this week. I might pick against her. You never know. Stop it! <laughs> All right, Stop Allie. it! All right. All right, Howie is all in on the Eagles because of his son, Chris Long. Howie Long's a dad. The question is, who does he pick when the Eagles play the Bears like last week? And he's got two sons on the field. Who do you think I'm picking? On two different teams. I guess he abstained from making a pick last week, but... Stop it! It really makes you wonder, does he just not have any lean or any rooting interest one way or the other? Any idea when his sons are playing against one another? Who do you think I'm picking? The Eagles knocked out the Bears last week on the doink-doink finish with Cody Parkey missing that 43-yard field goal for the Bears. So in Chicago, they continually are discussing, dissecting, and trying to digest the Bears 
being out of it. And this has brought some interesting callers to the mix. The fans really trying to find some type of therapy on the score 1260 in Chicago. Bears fans comparing the pain that they feel to the pain of Jim McMahon getting his shoulder separated. Hey, John. Hey, guys. That was a great year. Uh, You guys did such a fantastic job. Uh, I don't want to vilify the guy, but there's two things I remember growing up watching the Bears that still hurt. And, you know, one thing was McMahon getting piledrived into the ground by that Green Bay uh, defensive lineman that pretty much ended his career. Charles Martin. And and this one, this is going to hurt for a long, long time. Thanks so much for the call. He said, it's what I do, not who I am. That was the direct quote. Yeah, and I have no problem with that. I really don't. I don't have any problem with that. Well, I think with... you got to give 110%. I mean, it's just cliche. It's, it, who cares? Leave it all out on the field. Yeah, there you go. Isn't it just a cliche? I just don't want to hear it right now. And I mean, well, I just, I just don't want to. I don't want to hear that clip that we have to play when we talk about like the, the terrible end of the game. It's Friday. They're supposed to be playing tomorrow night in L.A., in a week or two, maybe you'll get well, used to the idea. You don't even have to comment or to have an opinion on where he stands and how he copes to get to that point because it's all about knowing your place in the context of a team. And on a football team, when you're a kicker, you've got to understand the pecking order here. you got 52 other guys wanting you to not screw it up for them. All right, And when you do screw it up for them, or at least it's perceived that way, I think you've got to have the awareness to know when to be seen and not heard or not seen at all. And I just think that this is the problem I have is not with anything that he said, because you know what? We said this This guy's accountable. It's commendable. All those things are post game. I'm not going to comment on Cody Parkey, the person I don't know him that well, but I know that I don't want to see him on Friday morning, five days after one of the biggest losses in Chicago sports history, nervously laughing over the idea that he he might've missed the kick or they bounced off the crossbar. Mike's in Geneva. Hi, Mike. Mike. Hey, guys. Well, I thought I was jaded. Adam, take the cake. (laughs) I I was just going to say, I think Cody Parkey's just incredibly naive. I I don't think he's an opportunist. Someone in his camp, maybe, because this wouldn't be a story a week from now. Once we play the next playoff game, nobody cares about Cody Parkey. But you guys are right. It is too soon. He doesn't know his place. He's just kind of digging his own grave, I feel. I mean, Tom Thayer said it best. There's going to be a, a ton of competition come training camp and all that. And good luck to Cody Parkey. I don't think he's going to make it. That's the pain a true fan is talking about. Guys, I feel like I was pile-driven into artificial turf by Charles Martin. There's two things I remember growing up watching the Bears that still hurt. One thing was McMahon getting pile-drived into the ground, and and this one. That's how I feel right now with Parkey missing that field goal. This is going to hurt for a long, long time. Tough times in Chicago. Really, really tough times. It's going to be a long one before they live that one down. The kick is up. It is long, and it is doink. Doink. Death. This is going to hurt for a long, long time. Which brings us to the Pittsburgh Steelers. They're out of the playoffs. We know this. They had it in their hands, and they gagged down the stretch. And maybe a lot of that had to do with dysfunction inside that locker room between Antonio Brown, Ben Roethlisberger, and maybe others. And so now what do the Steelers do with Brown? We've talked about how it would be a $21 million cap hit, even if he's traded against the Steelers. So would you really pay that much money against the cap? If you had a guy that wasn't even playing for you, would you actually trade him or release him? 
Owner Art Rooney Jr. went out of his way to say that he believes it would be very difficult to envision Antonio Brown back with the Steelers next season. Andrew Filipponi and the guys on the PM team on 97.3 The Fan in Pittsburgh went inside those comments and dissected what exactly Rooney meant. Art Rooney doesn't say that it's hard to envision Brown coming back. We're not going to cut him. So draw your own conclusions how we get rid of him. He doesn't make it pretty clear that they want to trade him unless he knows they can get a lot back for him. So I read between the lines here, and I think that the Steelers already have a pretty good idea that they can trade Antonio Brown and get enough back. If they felt like there weren't going to be bidders, if they thought that it was going to be a pretty difficult thing to do, that there weren't going to be teams interested in trading for Brown, I don't think Rooney makes these comments in this way. I think he just sits down with Dulac and gives a, well, a lot can happen. You never know. Not going to give you anything right now. We're disappointed, but that's really all I'm going to say about it. To look into his crystal ball and picture Brown not being here in training camp and throwing in that they won't cut him, what? unless Brown retires, that's not going to happen. So the only other way he's off the roster is if he gets traded. So my inference here is that Art Rooney is very confident that they can get back a satisfactory return for Antonio Brown. These are the strongest comments, and this is the biggest indication yet. This is the biggest clue yet on Antonio Brown's future. When the owner makes these comments... They mean more than any reporter, any coach, any general manager. He owns the team. It's his team. He can pretty much do what he wants. Antonio Brown is a goner. He's done here. So how does it make you feel? 412-928-9370. That's 412-928-9370. I'll tell you what, it doesn't clean up the entire mess. It doesn't solve every problem. It doesn't make me feel like the Steelers are now getting it because I'm not I'm not a believer in the head coach right now and I'm not a big fan of some of his assistant coaches like Keith Butler and Danny Smith. But I like this development a lot. Look, I think that they're right on, that Rooney just does not want Antonio Brown around anymore. And let's face it, the Steelers have been really good at finding replacements for problematic wide receivers that wanted more money or wanted more touches somewhere else. They've done this with Plaxico Burris. They've done this with Santonio Holmes, Mike Wallace, Emmanuel Sanders. Go down the list, and A.B. is going to be the next one. And A.B., better watch out. Careful what you wish for. Okay, you don't want to be part of a perennial contender? Well, good luck somewhere else where you might not be playing many meaningful games and suddenly your relevance and popularity and endorsements fall off the depth chart. In Tampa Bay, the Buccaneers did not make the playoffs again, and so they were in the market for a new head coach, and they go into the retirement category of the coaching search, and they get 
Bruce Arians, who we thought one year ago was done with coaching. He cited his family and burnout and wanted to do other things for why he walked away from the Arizona Cardinals. And now he's back with the Buccaneers. He joined Mike Francesa on WFAN in New York to discuss why exactly he made the flipping decision this year. Well, you know, as I was doing broadcasting and traveling from week to week and going to practice, the fire kind of got started back in each week. One week, week eight or nine, I almost stepped on the field and coached a guy that wasn't on my team. And I said, oh, I think you really want to go back and do this. But I really missed the locker room. The I heard you say that today, and I can't believe how many guys have said that to me. Once you don't have that, you miss that more than anything. The camaraderie that you guys get in the locker room, you can't match. Yeah, I mean, it keeps you young. I mean, I wore out a recliner in one year. I mean, I mean, it's time to get back to work and, 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 and get going. Yeah, it's something you do so well, and you obviously have a very uh, good heck of an offense to do it with, with receivers, and obviously Jameis Winston, who I know you like a lot. Um, you were mentioned a lot here. Did the Bulls thing play into why you never considered the Jets? Yes. Okay. Um, I figured it did. I figured yeah. it did. Okay. That's what, that's what we figured from the beginning. So um, how about you and Todd reuniting? Was that, you know, uh, I know how much you think of him as a defense coordinator. You guys had a lot of success together. How do you feel about your staff and especially Todd? Oh, that, that's really what got me extremely excited that I could get these guys back together. Um, Todd is, to me, one of the best defensive coordinators in the league. What he can do uh, with each and every individual, putting them in a position to be successful. Um, and then Byron Leftwich and Harold Goodwin on, on offense and Keith Armstrong on special teams. You know, everyone said that, you know, the hardest thing you hear is getting a staff together. It seems like you had your design, you had everybody in place. You knew what you wanted with your key people, right? Yeah, when I took the job, there was probably one job available. I mean, everybody, um, you know, there, there's some guys that had to go through some contracts and stuff like that that I couldn't talk to. But a couple of those fell into place. And uh, so, yeah, it's been, it's been a dream. You could have had a pick of a lot of jobs, Bruce. What what made you choose Tampa? Uh, three things: I, I think ownership, uh, the Glazier family, and they're they're we, we just hit it off big time, and as we have great values that we share together, as far as family, um, the general manager, who's a friend and a guy I really respect, and they had a quarterback I like. I mean, you put those three things together, I mean, that's a heck of a job. You know, Jameis is a guy, I, people have been very critical of him, but you know what I see? I see a guy who makes a ton of big plays. He just has to stop making too many bad plays, too many bad interceptions. He makes plenty of positive plays in every game. Oh, there's no doubt. He can move the football. Just making those those decisions that I think he pushed a little bit too hard at times and tried to – he's got has such a great arm. He tries to fit it in some small windows sometimes. So eliminate that and just make some better decisions. But play smart. Just don't play scared. And you said, interesting today, which I think they like hearing, you didn't go there to rebuild the team. You went there to win right away, right? Oh, yeah. We're reloading, and uh, uh, talent won't be an issue when we step out on the field. Uh, we just got to do a better job of closing out halves and closing out the games. I think it's interesting that he says he did not want to take over the New York Jets job because of his relationship with Todd Bowles. Bowles was his assistant coach, his defensive coordinator. Todd is, to me, one of the best defensive coordinators in the league. And a guy that Bowles really considers a mentor, and so totally respectable that Arians did not want anything to do with the Jets opening because the Jets had just fired Bowles. But in Tampa, you're going to tell me that it was just about being around the game again suddenly got him fired up. I mean, he was around the game when he was coaching. 
And now, less than a year later, he's around the game as a broadcaster, and suddenly all of those things flare up in your heart and your soul, and you want to play again, you want to coach again. Something doesn't sit right with this for me, and I know that Bruce Arians is well-respected, but he's a guy that said his heart wasn't in it a year ago, and suddenly a year later, his heart is in it, and his family is not exactly the priority anymore. That just doesn't sit well with me. Finally, we'll end the week on a lighter note in Wichita, They're getting a brand-new minor league team. The Marlins AAA affiliate is leaving New Orleans and heading to Wichita for the 2020 season. And so the guys at 97.5 Sports Radio KFH are debating and deciding what should be the new nickname of the team. They've opened it up for the fans, and one suggestion is picking up a lot of steam. That is a perfect name. Where's the thumb on that? Visionaries. Shut up, Max. (laughs) 2020, Tommy. we start the team, Tommy, and it's and it's a forward-thinking. I feel like you've thrown yourself out there, and you're we're just going to get visionaries. You're just going to get visionaries. What's wrong with who's going to remember that they started in five years from now? Visionaries? What? Yeah, because they, well, they started in, in 2020. <laughs> That's I a perfect name, is it? Yeah. Callers. 2020 Tweeters. visionaries. You're looking Tweet us ahead. at J. Lutz You're looking to the future. At Bob Lutz. Do you I, like I, visionaries? I, you know what? Mic drop. So do you Mike even want to go on with the rest of your list? I do, but that's perfect. Max gave it a... F- Max is old. You guys, I'm sorry. You guys' opinions, I don't really put a whole lot of stock in. No offense. We're And to, in fairness, they haven't come up with a name. Uh, Max may have. He's not shared it with us. Tommy, Tommy will never put one. And I'm getting one hate. Second of thought. And I'm getting You're hate, getting hate because already because people didn't come up with it and they're angry. And I'm a creative. You're mind. getting hate. Yeah. Even already. My friend Zach is hating. Really? Yeah. What's Visionaries. Worse than rock hoppers. We don't have to be friends anymore. Wow. A friendship could end over this. 2020, and it's a forward-thinking time. That's a. I guarantee you, if the mayor's listening, he loves it. I'd bet my life on it. Josh Parks, visionaries is just bad. That's the first reaction I've gotten. Sounds like a lot of jealousy. We'll, but we'll do cobras or whatever, the tornadoes or whatever you're thinking of, Number Josh. eight on your list. Pathetic. Boy, why do you lash out? Because they're some, wrong. Develop some thick skin. Let's do the fish. Let's be the if fish. If you're a true visionary... You can't worry about the reaction of people. You have a vision. Right. So you're not you're not waiting for reaction. There's a cool you're not logo dropping that... a friend like Zach over his disagreement. It's your I'm just vision. saying I'm not dropping, but I don't have to be friends. If you're gonna if you're gonna call me out like that instead of supporting me, then hey. It's your vision. Visionary. Number eight. Plainsman. Best I, don't names. Even, I don't even care about any of these Who names. Is it? The Plainsman. Don't even care about any of these <laughs> names anymore. <laughs> Look how quickly you've dropped rock hoppers. Done with them. Someone, That's the problem with guys like you. I want to be the visionary. You, you had us believing that you were all in on rock hoppers. Now, I'm not necessarily for the, out the, for on the rock past hoppers. month. But no one. Shame. That hasn't gained the steam. Shame on you. Let me tell you right now. The Wichita 2020s are sitting around a table right now, puking at the Athana. Here's Kent. Hey, Kent. That's horrible. (laughs) You're horrible, Kent. What do you got? Kent, I love you. What do you got? The River Rats. Uh, Kent. U9 West Urban. (laughs) Next. 
Thanks, Kent. That's not eat river rats. See what I mean? These are the people who are calling out visionary. Todd, hello. Hey, hey, guys. What do you think of visionaries? You know, you know, I don't care for it. I'm not going to bash it, but I don't care for it. It's a hearty try, is what I'm going to say. No, that's the name. Thanks, Todd. We've got a semi-pro basketball team with that. Yeah, we do. That that gets in the way. Hey, Eric. Visionary sounds like a class I'd had to go to at Cessna set up by HR. We're all we're all visionaries now. (laughs) What baseball player would want to say right home? I'm playing for the Wichita. Who do you play Uh, for? I'm part of the visionaries. uh, It just doesn't. Hey, have you ever watched uh, Survivor Series 1990? Rick the Model Martell captained the team called the Visionaries, and I think they won. They won all four of their guys survived. That's like watching WWE. That's TV. We're talking about real sports. Thanks, Eric. Why don't you just sit there and listen? Why, why don't you? Because I'm right. This is much worse than rock can, hoppers. Can anyone born in the, in the uh, 21st century This is call? much worse than rock hoppers. I guarantee you, if the mayor's listening, he loves it. Max gave it a... F- Max is old. You guys, I'm sorry. You guys' opinions, I don't really put a whole lot of stock in. No opinion. The 2020 Wichita Visionaries. That's a perfect name. Is it? Yeah. Count me in. I like it. I don't know what the logo would be, a crystal ball or something, but I'm in. Give me the logo. Give me the merchandise. Give me the jersey. Give me the hat. The 2020 Wichita Visionaries. Count me as a fan from afar. That is the best of your sports radio around the dial for Friday, January the 11th. I'm D.A. Thanks for listening this week, everybody. We'll see you again on Monday. Thanks for listening to Around the Dial. Subscribe now for the best daily recap in sports talk on Radio.com or the Radio.com app. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 